Boker Tov, everyone. Very good Arab Shabbat. So uh, this uh, Shabbat, we will hear uh, uh, Parshat Zohar. So there are uh, a number of uh, instances where uh, Amalek is uh, the center of the subject. So we have it in Parshat B'Shalach. So that will be the Kriyat Torah for the day of Purim itself. Now, that Kriyat Torah is an exception because it's only nine psukim, only nine verses. And the uh, Gemara Megillah teaches us that uh, Kriyat HaTorah should be at least ten verses. But uh, Purim is the exception to everything. So uh, that is the Kriyat HaTorah. In uh, Parshat Kitzetzei, we have the mitzvah of Sechirat Amolek and Mechiat Amolek. In the parsha of Zohar, Asher Osolacha, Amolek Baderech, B'Tzeischem, B'Tzeischem. Then uh, we have what will be the Haftorah for this week, uh, the story of Shaul HaMelech and the war against the Amaleki and his failure to complete the war successfully because he allowed Agag to live, and through uh, Agag, the uh, progeny of Amalek continued until we have the Megillah of Haman. Uh, the Gemara already says that uh, after the time of San Cheriv in the world, uh, we are unable to identify physically uh, the tribe of Amalek and therefore uh, the mitzvah of Mechiat Amalek is theoretical and not practical but uh, Mr. Amalek certainly exists in the world and certainly his ideas and his programs uh, are alive and uh, very challenging. So let's look at how the Torah describes it. Vayavo Amalek, Vayilochim im Yisrael birfidim. So it says Vayavo, he came. It means he came from somewhere. The Torah, when it says Vayavo, so it always implies that there's a backdrop here, a backstory. Now, we will find that Bilaam, when he uh, gives his prophecy in the Parsha of Bullock, refers specifically to Amalek. And he says, Rashi's Goyim Amalek. Amalek is the head of the nations. He's Mr. One. 
if you're Mr. One, then you uh, resent competition. You resent the fact that there are people who say that you're not Mr. One. That you're not Rashid Goyim. And that is the problem with the Jewish people that the world has always had. Is that the Jewish people refuse to say that Rashid Goyim is somebody else. And we say, We're the chief nation. And therefore that sets us up in a direct contradiction with the powers that be. So that's the idea of Ayovol Amalek. Amalek who thinks that he is the main, you know, he's the superpower. He's the only one. And here, there's Bilam, uh, here's from Bolok, in a Am Here's another nation that came out of Egypt. They're a bunch of slaves. They have no culture. They never went to school. And look at them. They think that they're it. So that's the resentfulness that exists. So Amalek comes from the fact that he feels threatened by the existence of the Jewish people. Because then he's not Rashi's Goyim. He's not the head of the nations. He's not the superpower. He's not the greatest intellectual force. So if you look through uh, Jewish history, you'll find that the Jewish people as a nation always contended with superpowers. It did not contend with, so to speak, weaker nations. It always existed with the strongest. So in Tanakh, uh, uh, the, the war is with Amalek, and later the war will be with Ashur, and the war will be with Bovel, and then with the Persians, and then with the Greeks, and then with the Romans, and then with the church, and then with the Spanish, who were the greatest empire in the world. And then uh, with uh, Germany and with Russia. So Amalek always comes as the superpower and is always challenged by the Jewish people who uh, refuse to uh, accept the hegemony of others and to say that they are the greatest nation, they're the leader of the world. So therefore, that's why it says Vayavo Amalek. Amalek came, he came to claim what he feels he is justified in having. He came to claim the title of Rashi's Goyim Amalek. 
And he couldn't do so because the Jewish people stood in his way. There's another interpretation on Vayovo Amalek that he comes out of nowhere. There's no, there's no process here. It's unexpected. Again, we find that throughout Jewish history. The Jews, for instance, are 800 years in Spain. I have Spain in my mind because Baruch Hashem, we've just concluded the movie on Don Yitzhak Barbanel. And the movie will be April 15th, the Sunday right after Pesach. And you should call Rabbi Amsel and make your reservations. But it's, it's amazing that on one hand, the entire Spanish Empire is dependent upon the Jews. That Don Yitzhak finances Christopher Columbus's expedition. The leading uh, tax farmer in Spain is uh, Avram Senor, the head of the Jewish community in Seville. And the Jews are in good shape in 800 years in our country. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden somebody turned off the lights. Goodbye. It's over. So, Vayavo, there's a suddenness to it. There's an unexpected quality here. Unforeseen. Illogical. We see that in the Megillah. You know, the famous Vayavo, Homon. You know, what's he doing there? It's the middle of the night, stay home. Where are you going? There's always an unexpected quality here. Something that could not be foreseen. So in the 1920s, in the Weimar Republic, yeah, there were Jews that were... Uh, in very high positions. Some of them were assassinated for being in such a high position. And then uh, five years later, uh, seven years later, you know, it's, it's all over. It's, uh, you know, can't be. It's a uh, it's a vayovo that no one could have imagined, because again, Jews are living in Germany for hundreds of years. In the eighteen hundreds, they gained civil rights. The Rothschilds are the main bankers. Reform is dominant, so they're just like the Germans. They go to pray on Sunday, not on Saturday. 
Everything is wonderful. Again, so Amalek is unexpected, unpredictable, irrational. All of a sudden he's here. That's why you vote. Now I'm not here to make any comments on current events. I always say that, you know, heaven has not spoken to me in the last two weeks. So I don't know what's going on either. But Yaakov Avinu said to his wives regarding their father Lovan that his face is not the way it used to be towards me. I sense a change. And I would say that uh, that would be true of uh, the Jewish people and the face of the world and the Western world is not the way it was. So uh, the unexpected becomes the expected. And therefore, uh, Amalek uh, is simply destructive. It has no reason whatsoever. It's destructive even to its own cause. Germany did not have an atomic bomb because it did not want Jewish scientists. Can you imagine if Hitler would have had the atomic bomb? what our world would look like. But you don't has no rationality to it whatsoever. Completely counterproductive. So that's a second interpretation of Ayovo Amalek. Amalek came. It comes suddenly without reason counterproductive Spain was the greatest empire in Europe the Spanish empire for, from the uh, 15th and 16th century ruled and then came the Spanish Armada and their defeat and uh, from then on Spain is, uh, is a good basketball team but that's it absolutely counterproductive but it makes no difference and that's what Chazal meant when they said hatred is such a strong emotion that it operates against not against those who are hated alone it operates against the haters as well and many times to a great extent it's more damaging to the haters than to those who are hated. There's another understanding here in Vayovo Amalek. The post again is Vayilochim im Yisrael birfidim. The war took place at a way station in the desert called Rifidim. 
Chazal, whenever a name is mentioned in the Torah, always looked and said, why does the Torah tell us this name? The Torah is not a book of geography. It's not a book of history per se. It's not a narrative. It could say, period. Why does it tell us that it was at Rifidim? So Chazal Darshan on the word Rifidim, let's take it apart in Hebrew. So it's Rafu Yodayim. Their hands became weak. Whose hands and what does it mean they became weak? So the Medrash says, Rashi quotes it, Rafu Yodayim Midivrei Torah. The Jewish people are weak in observance of the Torah. When the Jewish people are weak in the observance of Torah, the advantages shift to Amalek. He sees a moment to strike. And because of that, therefore, that's why it says, Vayavo Amalek, Amalek came. He came because the Jewish people didn't really consider the Torah to be important to them. That's what it means, Rafu Yadayim. Your hands are weak. It's not important to you. If, uh, if you believe in a certain... Uh, idea or an investment so uh, then you follow it you get the financial news, you look at it you want to know if uh, you're not interested you don't own any stock in the company uh, so I really don't care what happens to uh, you know to Google because I don't own any stock in Google But a person that has a great investment in Google. So uh, every day he looks uh, at the paper to see it went up, it went down. They're going to do this, they're going to do that. The Torah is an investment, it's a hedge fund. You know, so in the hedge funds, there are managers. You give them your money, and they're supposed to increase it. I will not debate the issue, because... But the basic idea is, I have an interest in what the hedge fund is doing. Because they've got my money, and they've got my money, they're investing it, I want to know in what and why... Will there be a return? So the Torah is the great hedge fund for the Jewish people. And Moshe Rabbeinu was the manager. And that's why when the Jewish people say in next week's parsha, 
We don't know what happened. We got a hedge fund with billions of dollars and there's nobody in the office. How can, how can that work? So we wrote for you Midivre Torah. They weren't interested in the hedge fund even though they were invested in it. I remember I had a case in Miami Beach. Miami Beach was an interesting place. Certain places you can almost predict the problems you're going to have. But there are places that surprise you. It makes life interesting. So there was a man, uh, and he had uh, three sons, and he passed away. And he had a will, and the sons divided up the property, and everything was fine and dandy. Three years later, the sons come to me, and they say they want to have a Din Torah regarding uh, their father's estate. So I said, you know, three years have passed. And apparently everything is all right, and you know, what happened here? So they said, we discovered that he had another account. And the other account that he had was greater than what the estate had. And now, we want to know whether, you know, I'm the firstborn, I helped him, uh, I took care of him the last year, you know, with all the stories that unfortunately are common in such situations. So they had a fund that they didn't know about. So that's the idea of Rafu Yudayim Medivri Torah. They didn't know they had a fund. They only saw the surface. They didn't see that the Torah was going to preserve them. They only saw that, you know, obligations, problems, taxes, all sorts of things. You see these parshas right after Matan Torah, God makes an appeal. All right, now let's build a Mishkan. Three trillion dollars. Gold and silver and bronze, diamonds, rare hides. The Jewish people say this this is what we signed up for? He wants a Mishkan, let him make his own Mishkan, right? Let, let it come from heaven. That's what we say about the third base of English. I'm not going to give anything. He wants it, let him bring it. We never signed up for this. And that's the whole resentment all the time throughout Jewish history. We didn't sign up for this. I remember uh, the first year that I was here in the show. And uh, I think the year afterwards was a Shemitah year. So I uh, gave uh, 
a small minimum shear lesson lecture in how to observe the Shemitah. So there should, even if we rely on the Hetzer which we do, but nevertheless, this is, you know. Somebody came up to me afterwards, he said, you know, when I meet, when I met with the guy from Aliyah, from the Jewish agency, he didn't tell me that there's such a thing as a Shemitah. He didn't tell me, you know, I got I got to wrap my orange peel in a napkin. I never signed up for this. So then Amalek comes. Amalek comes to remind you. We have constant reminders that we are here at the uh, will of God, so to speak. That, so to speak, we don't belong here. It's ours, it's ours, it's ours, but you can't drive on the highway. You can't go, uh, you can't take a stroll in East Jerusalem. You can fly the flags all you want. So the Lord reminds us. And the struggle always is against Torah. Because Rabbeinu Sadiagon said, Einu Moseinu Umo Elaba Torah. The basis of our national existence is Torah, is Maimed Har Sinai. And if you don't want that, so, okay. If you want to be Kacholagoyim Beis oil, Amalek is going to come, because he doesn't like you. And therefore, uh, again, if we look throughout Jewish history, we find that the worst moments occurred after the greatest amount of assimilation and acceptance into the world. The Jews in Russia were communists. Stalin got even with them. If they wouldn't have been communists, he probably would have ignored most of them. So that's all implicit here in the psukim regarding Amalek. So if the Amalek comes birfidim, sharafu yedayim edivrei Torah, so we have to appreciate that, and we have to understand that. In the the, uh, Parsha of Kitetse, it says, um, You're tired, you're worn down, 
and you're not God-fearing. So the question is, Lo Yirei Elohim, does that refer to the Jewish people or to Amalek? There are different uh, interpretations uh, in Chazal. And then there are those that say it doesn't, it applies to both. Amalek is not afraid of God. He knows what he's doing. He knows it's wrong. But he's not afraid. So what does Oye Fiyogeya mean? You're tired. You're worn down. So the Nefarshim again say that this refers to mitzvahs. Not the Oye if you're tired from mitzvahs. Everything's a mitzvah. Tired of it, and you're worn down by the troubles of being a special people, and that leads to the low Elohim. So eventually, you lose God-fearing qualities, which is the real danger of Amalek. Amalek wears us down. I knew Jews in Chicago. I knew Talmidim in the Chicago yeshiva. I knew somebody that was uh, on the verge of getting smicha. And after the refugees from the Shoah came to Chicago, and they began to tell their story, all of these people went away. They said, This is the way it's going to be. I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. So that's all you feel, yeah. And Amalek engenders that within us. So, again, the idea of Amalek is paramount in Jewish life. Because on all levels, we have to struggle with him. He arrives suddenly, he behaves irrationally, he strives for supremacy, he comes when we are weakest, he challenges us spiritually. So that's why the Torah puts such an emphasis upon it, and why the story is repeated over and over again in order to make us aware of what the true challenge is. At the end, the Jewish people naturally survive Amalek. So, but but there's a process, and it's a bitter process, until you get to that reward and that gate triumph and that moment of joy that Purim brings upon us. So Shabbat Shalom everyone and Purim Sameach and uh, 
We'll uh, start again next week as Parshat Kitisa. Thank you very much for coming. Call to Salo.